Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Mark, I've got a question for you from Doreen. Doreen says, please can you describe the forward thought versus the forward motion and the best way to encourage to get that thought first? Yeah, that's a good question, Doreen, because uh, I, I think one of the most common things I see is horses, uh, you know, with their thoughts stuck on pressure and not, not really carrying a nice forward thought and moving forward um, softly. Um, and it's very easy to get into a habit of carrying horses along. But um, to get a forward thought, you have to hand over responsibility to your horse in a certain way when, when riding. Um, so sometimes you don't always get the, the thought first. Sometimes you'll have to move the horse move the horse first and then you'll get a thought change. So I guess um, I'll try and give you an example as um, like one of the one of the ways that I, I get a horse to start thinking forwardly is I, I'll use my reins without legs for quite a while. Uh, so basically every time the horse has a, a thought somewhere that it gets stuck on, I'll use my reins to redirect it and till the horse is just moving forward, thinking forward. Um, so and the reins tend to be one of the better ways in, 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 in riding, I think, to, to get a horse to let go of something um, and take on a new idea. So, so basically, the horse's mind gets stuck here. You might say, let go of that. Horse, horse's mind gets stuck over here. You might say, let go of that with a you know, left rein, right rein, whatever, whatever you're doing, and back up uh, until the horse goes, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just move forward softly with my thoughts and not get stuck on all these little dead ends like you know the gate or whatever whatever it's getting stuck on. Um, and then the horse starts just traveling forward, thinking forward, and you haven't applied any legs at all. And when the horse is already in that state of mind, you know, and it's let go of all those magnets, um, then basically if you were to add leg, uh, the chance of it thinking, going faster and thinking forward is, is, is a lot stronger than a horse that's stuck somewhere in its mind and you're trying to you know kick it along and make it keep moving so uh, but in in another context when you're riding a horse forward uh, and a, on a young horse for instance and you ask it to move forward it's going to think back on your legs because because it's almost like having a spider on its back because your legs and yourself on, on a horse's back it makes them think back to that and they go oh what's that behind me and so <clears throat> basically if you can do enough there to get the horse to move its feet um, and then reward the horse for moving its feet by taking the pressure off, then you have to allow the horse to stop again before you ask to move its feet again. So eventually the feet are moving first and the thoughts haven't quite made a thought change, but by allowing the horse to stop, it says, well, is stopping working? And when the horse stops, you go, well, no, it's not. So you ask with the legs to move again. And then eventually the horse, because it's chosen stop um, and that didn't work, well, it's going to choose forward and it's going to keep moving forward. Uh, and then, then once it starts to choose forward, then obviously it starts to carry a forward thought and, and tend to keep carrying that thought. But over time, this horse starts to associate legs with moving and thinking forward. Uh, what stops a horse from thinking forward is you saying keep going with your legs so a lot of times people anticipate their horse slowing down and you see a strong seat and a strong leg and they're going legs and seat and legs and seat keep going keep moving keep moving 
Now what that what happens to that, that that creates a horse that's going forward, but it's not thinking and, and really putting any effort into forward because all its minds and all that pressure that's pushing it along, so that becomes like a garbage compactor. So the, the, the pressure's just moving the horse along and the horse's thoughts are like a you know, like someone with a spider on their back going on, you know, all their thoughts are back on that. So um, allow the horse to slow down and then say speed up and then eventually the horse goes oh it's my responsibility to keep going then I'm gonna carry my thoughts forward and that's what they'll do um, but yeah as, as I said before I often find for, for a horse that's really stuck in the mind and you know maybe anxious and things like that then you get it to let go of uh, very magnetic thoughts more effectively through the reins and then when it's let go of that and it's more comfortable and moving forward itself then you start to say well now can you move forward a little faster with the legs and and using the same principle of letting the horse to carry that movement and allowing it to slow down so there's room to speed up and just before I finish on that question allowing it to slow down and giving it room to speed up will always keep that principle of the legs meaning legs mean go faster not keep going so yeah thanks very much for that question Doreen talking about legs there's another question that's come in as well that says what's the difference between a horse being a leg mover versus a body mover I'm guessing this person was on a clinic with you recently and they heard one of your markisms yeah I don't know if that's a markism or just maybe maybe it was um uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to clutch at straws on that one um, in, in the sense of maybe oh, I'm not quite sure about the question uh, but what I'm thinking is a leg mover and I may get this wrong and it might come through in another question down the track in a fortnight or so uh, but I'm just going to answer the question uh, the answer to the question as I think it as, as, as I think the question means um, a body mover and a leg mover so horses will move their feet and they'll move away from pressure and they'll move you know whatever and kind of almost make us feel like they're doing a movement um, but when they move their body their whole body in a certain way then their thoughts are going in that direction Whereas a horse can kind of be braced in the body and move its foot over there and maybe, you know, move its hindquarter over here and walk sideways and do all this. Um, but its body is kind of stiff and braced and um, because its mind's not really engaged in what it's doing or thinking about what it's doing. So you get the feet going in a certain direction but the whole body is not in it, which is meaning the mind's not in it. So basically... To get the whole horse to move, you need the horse thinking and moving um, itself. So it's going, in, in a lot of cases, towards its thoughts instead of away from its thoughts. So, you know, a horse doing a nice movement, like a nice turn on the hindquarter, for instance, the horse is going to be thinking into the direction of the turn. So it's going to move, its, it's going to be thinking that way, so it's going to move its whole body. So the feet will be moving in that direction, but the whole body will be shaped and softly moving in that direction whereas if it was just moving in that way with its thoughts somewhere else it might be just moving away from pressure moving its feet but you know if you were blind Freddie on the hill you'd 
look and go, oh, geez, that horse is moving that way, but it looks stiff. Um, and if you looked a bit close, you'd see the inside eyes really not even looking in that direction. It's probably thinking in the wrong direction. Uh, so it's you know, twisted in the wrong way. And the ears are kind of not in the right way. So basically for a horse to move its whole body um, in balance, you know, for, for a horse to, it can move its feet, but for the whole body to be moving, it has to be thinking in that direction in balance. Um, that's my take of your question. So if it was a markism, I'm sorry, I might have meant it in a different way, maybe, but that's, that's the way I would take that question. And uh, yeah, I hope that makes sense to you. Okay, Chloe's asked a question about um, aggression. She's got this little pony who's a little bit nippy and uh, never really had any problems before and she's always sort of had a really good relationship with her but she's finding that she's starting to pin her ears and she's going to bite. The aggression seems to be escalating. She's bearing teeth. She does the approach and release process. She gets so far one day and then the next is like a big step backwards. Should she be ignoring the behaviour and act like she's not going to face her? She's also never used to do this and she has another horse who's fine and shows no, regress no aggression whatsoever. But she is the more dominant one to this nippy pony that we're talking about. Um, today she wasn't even happy with her grooming her, which was never an issue before. She really doesn't understand what she's done for her to turn on her. Um... I would like to be able to help you more in that question. The only the only thing is, is um, I'm I'm really not sure about all the things that are happening around that pony, how you're training it, how you're working with it, uh, other things in that pony's life that's happened, plus also other complications that might be involved. So, yeah, the pony's aggression. I've only got a sort of a small take on on your pony's aggression, so. Um, just going into the approach and retreat method um, that's quite good when you're connecting with horses and showing them that you can listen to them the only catch is that sometimes um, if the horse has still got a bad feeling in it it's still going to you know feel bad and you, you're acknowledging it and, 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 and listening to it not necessarily going to be a way of encouraging it to you know have a soft thought towards you Especially if some of the things that you're doing or the riding or other things that are going on in that pony's life um, is troubling that pony. So, um, you know, you can, you can like a lot of horses like their owners when they're wearing pyjamas, but when they're, when they're riding, riding clothes, they, they kind of get cranky. So, and what I mean by that is people can go out and hang out with their horses and listen to them all day. But if they are training the horse in a certain way that uh, is, is, is obviously... Um, troubling that horse then or causing anxiety or, or whatever then basically the horse is going to be savvy to that and start to go well I think you're the same person in pajamas that you own riding clothes so so that could be part of it and that's the part I'm not not really sure about so you know you can approach and retreat your horse yeah you do use approach and retreat to to meet your horse in the paddock when it's showing you that aggression but if you're riding it in a certain way every day well it's only telling you what it's feeling about what's going to happen next. So um, you have to sort of treat all those things that you're doing with your horse and address it all the way through how you're riding your horse. And, and yeah, that, that, that answer would be a huge answer without, without sort of the detail. So, um, but in, in saying that, you know, when we're approaching horses, sometimes horses start to set a bad... 
uh, seed in their mind due to something that may have happened or happening and it kind of stays there but you can change those thoughts with distraction so sometimes you know if I see a horse with a hard thought I might just kind of distract that thought and then offer it an alternative um, so you know I might do something to distract the horse when it's got a hard eye and then it'll sort of go ooh and then I'll go hey would you like to say hello and then it'll come in with another and another uh, I guess it, it, it'll come it, it, with a different angle in its mind and, and it might come in a little interested or a little unsure uh, and it might come and sniff me in a different way and then I've broken that sort of um, habit of a horse going oh you know the person's walking across the paddock and I get this hard thought um, and then, then it, you might change that but there's so many things you, you can do but yeah, sorry I can't answer the, the complete question, but basically I think you've got to look at everything you're doing with that pony and, and look at its, uh, if anything's changed out in the paddock, um, health-wise with the horses that's within the paddock and see if you can find out something that's um, causing a general you know, unhappiness and anxiety in, before we sort of really look at the detail of what you're doing. Okay, next question is from Bianca. Bianca met you at one of the recent clinics when you were in Queensland. She's curious to know how far to push Floss with the flag. Floss must be her horse. You know how anxious she is and how scared she is of the flag. As soon as I bring it out, and even if I'm just standing there holding it on the other side of my body away from her, she gets nervous. She moves her feet, she pulls backwards. If I actually move the flag or pop it, she rears up and starts to lose it. How far should I push her when she gets like this? By continuing to pop the flag, will she escalate and then let down, searching into me and finding the ability to self-soothe? Or should I just use the flag a little bit? What is the reason for using the flag in this way? Thanks for sharing your thoughts. Yeah, Bianca, good. Um, it's a, it's, um, it's, I remember, I remember your horse because I remember the lesson uh, when when she had and and she was a sort of a rear anyway. So she, so there's two things that she she did, um, and that was rear to pressure on her head, but more especially rear to pressure when when there was something worrying her. So the flag presents itself as worry. The pressure on it on her head would present as the trap, and that's the thing that makes her rear. If you if you didn't have anything on a head, she'd just run off. So the rearing's not caused by the scary thing so much so. It's caused by being hooked up to that rope in the halter. You know, because if she was at liberty and you pop the flag, well, she'd just ping off over there. Um, so the rearing's not from the flag as such as from thinking she's in a trap. So the flag only represents a general anxiety and that anxiety is um, obviously something that she feels she can't cope with because there's nothing no alternative available to her when she's anxious and that's why that lead rope has to offer her an alternative opposed to pulling back and as I saw at the clinic I, I, I saw her sort of get anxious with the flag to a point that she could follow that lead rope and go I'm happy following this lead rope and the flag's not bothering me as much so I know it's in her to sort of make a good change and respond well to the lead rope um, I think there may be certain lack of clarity in there and I, I have a feeling that she's getting anxious because she hasn't found that answer enough 
and so the flag could be coming more of a concern to her because she, she hasn't got an answer, she hasn't got an alternative. So, you know, when a horse gets scared of something, you know, the herd kind of goes somewhere else to safety and then they will, you know, that, that, that they're safe and back to, back to, back to normal life again. Um, but for her, she's feeling like there's no pathways there for her to sort of tip out that anxiety uh, and, as you say, self-soothe. So I think maybe you can sort of, like, you can take, the, you know, what is the reason for the flag in the, in the question you asked that and what is the reason for the flag? Some people say, well, why would you use a flag? Um, why would you why, why would you use it in training at all? Because obviously it makes her anxious and makes her rear up and it's like, well, I know something else is going to make her anxious and rear up and it's not the flag that makes her um, rear up, it's the, the fact that she's in a trap without a pathway. Uh, the flag is just the anxiety and that, that could be something else like a horse float or, you know, uh, you know, something happening in a human environment she can't understand and she'll rear up again because I, I guess that's when I saw at the clinics there was other areas where she was rearing up and and, um, and it was not having a pathway and feeling trapped in, in pressure. So you could do a bit more leading without the flag for a little while and start to get her to come off that lead and walk softly and lead up and lead up and everywhere you go you always stimulate that nice forward movement to that lead, lowering the head, backing up, coming forward, backing up, coming forward until you see her feel good about leading, not just come forward because she's scared of the pole pressure but you can actually take the worry out of her through getting her to lead through with that lead rope. Um, and then when you bring the flag, flag back into play as I say, the flag is only something that, in, in this respect, in this, in this sort of lesson with her, it's only doing something in a learning environment that provokes her so you know what's going to happen when you're out in the real world when you can't control the anxiety around her. So the flag is a controlled anxiety that you can help her cope with uncontrolled anxiety. So you can... The things that you can control yourself, you can control the lead rope, you can control the pressure on that lead rope, you control, you know, all those things. But the thing you can't control is the random anxiety that happens, like the kangaroo that won't stop bouncing, the car that won't stop driving, you know, the, the, the noise that won't go away, all those things that, that, that you can't control. So, so basically in learning, the flag represents something like that. So you can stimulate that worry in her so you can say, hey, when you're a little worried, how about you try and follow this? And if you've done enough work on the side of getting her to lead up a little more and back up and without the flag, and she's starting to feel good about that lead rope, then you can bring the flag in. But instead of making the flag um, as big as a, as a, as a, as a semi-trailer driving past at full speed, you might just make the flag uh, as big as like maybe uh, something in the distance that, that, that she's a bit concerned about. So you could just bang the flag just softly on the ground but not making a big deal of it, but enough to get her searching and a little anxious, uh, not enough to make her just tap out. And then when she's a little anxious, you can put a little feel on that lead rope and when she sort of, she might wriggle in it and then she might lean forward and bring her thoughts forward. Uh, and that lead rope might be a pathway to you, for instance, to start with so she can you know, connect to you. And, uh, and she'll just softly go, oh, I'm searching, oh, I'll come forward a bit. And then, and then she gets a reward. So that becomes a pathway, just like the pathway of the mob, you know, leading off somewhere else that she follows to safety, that, 
that rope becomes a pathway to maybe a connection with you and, and suddenly that worry of the flag, um, she had confidence because she had a pathway that helped her tip that worry out. Um, so you might just use the flag in smaller doses I suppose and then when you feel that she knows that that pathway is available that lead rope and that head rope that 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 um holder pressure is not a trap then she can start to go okay instead of rearing up i'm just going to follow this pathway and you can get a little bigger with the anxiety and say hey what happens if it's a a bigger problem and she goes well i'll just follow that lead rope but as i say if she didn't have lead rope on him, she'd, she'd, on her, she'd run off. The, it's the it's the lead rope and the halter that's making her rear. It's the feeling of being trapped. So the most important thing is dealing with that first, and then feeding a little anxiety to put her, you know, under that sort of test to see if she could cope when you take her into an environment she doesn't understand. I should say that Bianca's made a, made an additional comment to say that. Over the last few sessions, the rearing has stopped. She's becoming more and more responsive to the feel of the rope and finding confidence in new areas. So that's that's really good. Yeah, so by the, by the sounds of it, you're already on the right path. Um, but, but, but yeah, some people will see flags and they go, oh, they're an evil thing. But to me, it's only the things that I can't show them in, you know, in a clinic environment or, or a learning environment. I can't just take the horse out into the extreme world and say, okay, here are all these scary things, let's educate you. So, so in, in certain respects, the, the flag represents that anxiety that I can't find all the time naturally or, or organically out there. Okay, the next question is from Sandrian. She, I don't know how good your memory is, Mark, she says that she took her green broken horse to a two-day clinic last year. Things went well after that, and she took him on three-hour trail rides, walking, trotting, cantering, and he was great. After a long spell, she recently got him back into groundwork. He doesn't like her walking to his size and tends to block her. So she leads him past her, and he softens and accepts her on his size, but still every day there's a resistance there. And she's seeing the saddle, he walks backwards slightly and acts a bit tense. So the last three or so weeks, she's been working with him, waving the flag above him at a standstill and in motion while she's leading him. She's putting the saddle blanket and the saddle on and off while leading him from behind the shoulder, flapping the stirrups and everything else that she can come up with to make him used to things flapping on his back. When this went well on the ground, she did it from the mounting block, but as soon as um, she got to touch him with her leg or knee, he gets really tense and his skin bounces her off like a trampoline. He has a tendency to run off when he doesn't cope. So she goes with him, keeps the movement going until he relaxes. She's trying to desensitise him at being touched, patted, bumped, etc. At a standstill and in motion. All of this keeping an eye on his state of mind and releasing when he relaxes. But after weeks of this now, she doesn't find him much better. Some days she thinks she might be getting there and other days he reacts like he's seeing an alien. She's never hurt him, she's owned him since birth, he's now 10. She knows he's sensitive, but he's good with her otherwise. She takes, she lets him take him, she takes him for walks, lets him hand graze, and he always comes up to her. But he seems to get more scared of me instead of getting used to the things I've been doing. How does she progress? All she wants to do is get back on and ride again, but she feels he wouldn't cope if she did jump on. Have you got any suggestions? 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a big question. That's a very big question. It's a very big question, and a, and a, and uh, you know I'm gonna dig in deep to to all these. It's like one of these things, and as I say, I do I do my best with everybody to try and answer questions to help them. Um, but you know, sometimes just being right there with a horse in that moment and seeing the way they deal with things is certainly a big help for me, especially, and that's why you know I'm on the road doing a lot of clinics and helping people. But um, you know, answering the question without having a hand on the horse and having a feel, but is is a big thing. But I, I have a feeling that. Um, there's a detail in there that you're sort of you're doing the right thing your intentions are good everything's going you know there could be other things in there you know obviously there's always other things that you know in his life that I can't you know and I can't know about or issues and even to the state of other issues in, in their mind and stuff that we can't help them with I'm not saying that's the issue, but I'm, you know, I, I got, I, I got to rule out whether it's pain or anything like that. I have to. She's gelding. Sort of could that, be gelding scarring. Yeah, it could be gelding scarring. Could be anything. So, so I've got to always say that to rule that because I can't say you just. The, if you're doing it, you're just doing it not right, and 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 the horse will, <laughs> you know. So there's all these things in there that could be an issue, but I'm I'm going to come along the, the psychological side of things, um, but I'm also going to acknowledge that. It mightn't just be what you're doing. It could there could be something else that you can't control, um, or you can control, but not through your education, through some other help. Um, but what I've noticed when you come to sort of horses that have troubles like this, like there's a little fellow that I'm helping a lady with, and we made a really good progress at a six-day clinic, and it was really good. He's a he's a rescue horse, ten-year-old super nervous but super aware like the most aware horse you know he if, if you wanted to be safe and you're a horse you'd hang around him because he'd see trouble coming a mile away um but we may you know had some profound change at the clinic where he really kind of let down and 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 sort of became one with his environment with people around him and, and accepted it um but the detail and the effort you know that i had to put in with the owner the detail we had to watch and the, and the things that we sort of did and the things we had to repeat um, to get that change in him was, I guess in some respects, could be quite a challenge. Um, so, and, and, and the lady who came back who's got really good intentions with him, things are still going good, but he's kind of a little bit kind of normally what he's like opposed to looking like what he was like when he had those big changes. So you may be on the right path, but he may have been making little changes, but sometimes there's certain lessons where you can hang in there and you hang in there and you hang in there and you, and then you'll get a big shift in your horse. And, and then all of a sudden that shift is one of those changes that, that it stays in there. Because sometimes you can just be teetering on the edge of some of these braces and these nervousnesses, nervousnesses and, and all good intention doing the right thing. But there's moments that you might have to hang in on there and 
maybe worry him a little more and get him on the other side of that worry. You know, there's things like that. Instead of maybe hanging on the edge of his uh, threshold, you might sometimes have to press that threshold a little bit and come out and then press it again and come out. And, and sometimes the, only then can you see some serious changes being made in a horse. So I'm not really answering the question so you can go out in the paddock and try what I'm just about to tell you because it's one of those one of those questions that's a little unanswerable. Um, but maybe um, he, he may have to, he might have, you know, the flag's okay, it's a dead object. What I've noticed with wild horses and things, all the horses I've trained in the past, is there's horses within two or three days I could be standing right beside them cracking a stock whip. But if I touched hair with them or even touched them, they were petrified. So a dead object, I could touch them with a stick at a distance and I could rub them all over, and, but I could not touch them with a finger because they know the difference between a live object and a dead object and they know, they know that, you know, they know that there's, there's, there seems to be more danger in that and they, so um, you may have to use yourself as the flag a little bit and maybe sort of maybe worry him a little bit with what, what you're doing and, and get him to sort of maybe soften a little when, when, when you're doing something slightly bigger, not, not big, but a little bit bigger. And then when you soften a little, he'll soften a little. Because uh, sometimes um, when a horse copes with something slightly bigger and then you come back to normal, well, that's a bit easier for them if they've got through that one. But you wouldn't get big and crazy, but I mean, if you can wave a flag a little bit and he can maybe lead through and put up with that flag, then maybe you yourself could do something just a little bit bigger, not towards him, but you know, just a bit like random and he can lead and follow the feel and soften and go past you a little bit while you're doing that. And if he can, he'll tense up a little bit, if you can keep with him and, and lead him until he softens. And then as soon as you see him have that thought change and try and understand and follow that feel, then maybe you'll soften up a little and then you might touch him then and, and it'd be, it won't be so so big to him because he got through that bit before which was a little harder so when you go back to just a touch on him well that, that'll be a little easier and he'll go oh that wasn't so bad uh, I hope I'm not getting losing you on this but it's just an area that I sort of you know would be looking into as um, you know if you're just touching him like this all the time then basically this touch is going to scare him but if you sort of touched him a little or not touched him but you did something a little stronger in your body and then softened it when you come in soft you'll be going oh, well I can deal with that um, yeah anyway I, I'm not going to answer much more into it because I think there's there's a lot of detail in there that you know I'd love to maybe if you could send me a video or something you know and I could watch him and maybe talk you through some of the things I see that'd be great because I'd, I'd probably be able to give you a clear answer on it but I appreciate the effort you put into the question to try and you know because it sounds like you're really trying to help him and that's really you know good of you to really do that so yeah good, good luck and yeah if you can get a video to me I'd love to sort of watch it and and, and just see if I can help you more Okay, that's it for today. Thank you very much, Mark. We'll be back in about a fortnight. Thank you.